0: Hello, this is Rob Fredette with HodgePod with Rob Fredette. We're staying with the World Series. Now with the World Series going on, and we're going to be talking the 1997 World Series between the Florida Marlins and the Cleveland Indians in Miami. Nice, balmy Miami in 1997. I like to talk about World Series that, you know, you don't have the usual teams like the Red Sox, the Astros, the Yankees, the Dodgers. These were some great World Series and Jim Fisher is back again with me at for this episode. And Jim, thank you again for joining me for this episode.
1: Sure, Rob. It's great, uh, great memory and uh, great to talk about it again.
0: Yeah, and I'm looking forward to talking about this one because we were actually there working at uh, Pro Player Stadium for the 1997 World Series, and I one of the most amazing events I've ever worked. So the Florida Marlins uh, were a in their fifth season, uh, being an expansion team in 1993. And they made the playoffs, and the team that they had back then uh, was pretty much a team put together by Dave Dombrowski, the same person who's with the Philadelphia Phillies right now. We'll get into that a little bit later about Dave Dombrowski, But he built a team in 97, Jim, that really um, was built for
1: the playoffs. Yeah, they were. They they went out and got some uh, some really good players. And if you step back a little bit in their history, they were like you said, they were a five year fifth year team. Um, They they were an expansion team in '93 that that came in the league along with Colorado. They drew three million people right out of the box, and they were playing in today. You know, today the name is Hard Rock Stadium, but it was basically a football stadium that was converted for baseball. And then in '94, there was a player strike and. Uh, the World Series got canceled in They were going to start with replacement players. And the, the attendance just dropped like a rock. I mean, they were over 3 million, and they went down to about, uh, I think, 1.5 million within two years. Um, and they needed to do something. And so um, before the 97 season, they they basically – Went to the owner, who was a guy named Wayne Heizenga, and if he ever had a blockbuster video card, that was his oh, yeah. company. And and uh, uh, he's got Auto Nation, which is a, a worldwide uh, string of card uh, dealers and he had trash. Can- I mean, he had he was all over the place. But he owned the uh, Marlins and the Dolphins and the Florida Panthers at that time. But they went to him and said, you know, there's some, some great players out there and we think that it would help. And he said, Well, would it help attendance? The and they said, Oh yeah, we'll fill it up every night. <laughs> so they signed Bobby Bonilla and they signed Alex Fernandez and Kevin Brown and they brought in Jim Leland as a manager from Pittsburgh. And of course Dave Dombrowski was there. And ninety seven they 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 really were a much better team and then they had some great great fill in players, Mr. Marlin, Jeff Conine. Uh, Charles Johnson, a catcher from, who was from Miami. Um, Rob Mann was their closer. Uh-huh. Uh, they, they just had uh, real good, and Gary Sheffield, who some people say should be in the Hall of Fame, um, but hasn't gotten there yet. But, um, and, and 97, one other thing, it was, it was the first, uh, season where they had interleague play with the American League. Right, and I think everybody knows how many uh, Yankee fans there are in South Florida, and unfortunately, the stadium filled up, and it was more Yankee fans.
0: I remember, and I remember.
1: Great atmosphere. It was a lot of fun, and and uh, George Steinbrenner came in, and everybody was high fiving him. And yeah, he was on so the course. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So it was, it it was a lot of fun. And, and, you know, they got to the end and they had, they had, uh, I think they were second to Atlanta in their division. So they went in as the top wild card and played the the Giants and they beat them. And then they played Atlanta. And if you remember, Rob, you and I were at, at the final game in Atlanta.
0: That's right, yes. We were there, yes. I was fortunate enough to go to the final game in Atlanta, and uh, I remember when the Marlins won that game, we were uh, watching the post-game celebration, and all the Marlins front office people and team uh, people that work for the Marlins were jogging around the bases, and it was an empty stadium, and they were just partying, like, running around the bases. I don't know if you remember that.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, the people... (laughs) People in Atlanta were just stunned. I remember I uh, ran into yes. my old boss that worked for Aramark, and, of course, they were already counting the money from the World Series coming up, and they were just sitting there staring in the space. They couldn't <laughs> believe it that the Marlins beat them. And I remember I looked at, at you and I said, can you believe it? We're going to have the World Series this weekend? I and, know, yeah. I remember – we, we saw- we saluted the uh, win with a trip to the Waffle House right nearby. That was the yeah. first Waffle House, <laughs> and uh, and then started the World Series on Saturday.
0: I remember that you know uh, it was weird because you know the game was over in the NLCS and and the the realization that the World Series was coming to Miami like hit hit you really hard. We it's like we didn't have very much time to prepare for it um, because of you know the stadium when the Marlins um, at Pro Player Stadium. You know we would have what about maybe 20, 25,000 maybe for a game, and then right when the division series came, it was still uh Barry Bonds was on the Giants, they beat the Giants, and I remember the crowds were probably in the late high 30s. And when they beat the Giants and they got to the NLCS against the Braves, it started getting a little bit more serious. The place was packed, um, it was about probably about 40,000. But when the World Series came, they opened everything up at that stadium, it's a football stadium. And um, I can remember looking down at center field prior to Game One, all the way at the top of the center field, and you could not see any of the outfielders. It was all obstructed. But people paid right, the ticket, and no
1: one cared. They were just so so uh, happy to be there, and and they ended up with I think around sixty-seven or sixty-eight thousand for the World Series, and uh, uh, that was the largest crowd since the. Dodgers played at the Coliseum in fifty nine before uh, Dodger Stadium was built, and they had eighty or ninety thousand people, but you know you were ten miles away in center field, but you know people really didn 't care they just wanted to be there
0: that 's right it was sixty seven thousand plus for all four games so uh, the World Series I remember being nice and balmy at night in October, which I thought I loved. I loved working the World Series because it was nice and warm at night, so I remember. Uh, the games and the and the crowd and the anticipation and the excitement. So the Marlins uh, had a great team as well. They had a lot of superstars. Moises Alou, who they signed, Bobby Bonilla. And they had a lot of great bench players. Jim Eisenreich, uh, John Candelosi, Darren Dalton, and Greg Zahn come to mind as well. Darren Dalton came over from the Phillies, and he kind of added some stability as well. He's just a tough guy. Um, and... They seemed to gel, and I think with the experience they had, I you know, definitely got them into the World Series. They built that team just right for that time.
1: Yeah, they were good. And Cleveland was good, too. I mean, you think back, and I think they still had Jim Comey and Albert Bell and uh, uh, Kenny Lofton. Omar and Vizquel. They, they They had some really good uh, – Cleveland had some really good teams, and they would sell out their home stadium something like 400 times in a row during that time
0: period. That's right. So we get game 1 of the World Series October 18th of 1997. The Marlins come out with the win and then uh, they're up one nothing in the series and then Cleveland comes back. They take game 2, 6 to 1. So they're going to Cleveland for three straight games. So you're going now from the warm weather to now to cold weather. So that is a lot different now, isn't it back then?
1: They, uh I think one of the games was something like 12 to 11, and it went, I don't know, five, six hours. I mean, it just went on forever. I fell asleep. I was so tired, but, <laughs> but it started snowing during the batting practice, you know, and so here you got guys that were, you know, 75 and, and balmy at night in Miami, and then they go up there and it's in the 20s, and so it was quite a, you know, quite a difference, but um, they ended up alternating games, you know, all through the series. Uh, the, the Marlins would have been the odd games and the yeah. won the even games.
0: Yeah, and you spoke of that game was 14-11. That was game three that put the Marlins up two games to one. So they play in the cold weather and they take game three. And then game five, the Indians come back 10-3. to So it's tied 2-2. And then in a high-scoring affair again, the Marlins take game five, to 8-7. So the series is switching back now to Florida and Miami for the games six and game seven. What are your recollections from back then in game six and game seven?
1: Well, I remember on Saturday, or really going into the weekend, we knew that the Dolphins already had a game scheduled for Sunday Night Football. And so the (laughs) question was, well, what happens if we go to game seven? And which they did, and so they said, "Well, we'll move the Marlins or we'll move the Dolphins to Monday night," which they did. And so, you know, they they concentrated on on uh, Game Six and Seven, and and they were, you know, they were really good. games. Seven was really tight. Um, you know, it, it went extra uh, innings, and and uh, the, again, the last play of the game was a guy named Craig Council, who's currently the Brewers manager. Wow. Um, yes. So, scoring the winning run, and Edgar Retteria got the hit that drove him in, and, you know, people went absolutely berserk. I mean, they they just, you know, again, this was Miami's, really, their first championship uh, since the, the days of the Dolphins or University of Miami years ago. So this was, I mean, this was really something to celebrate. And with that many people in the stadium, it was it was just absolute devil. I don't think anyone got out of there for hours afterwards. And, and uh, I remember um, one of our guys in the office, he had to run right up and, and came back in with a brand new champions hat on and a t-shirt. And, <laughs> and he just said, hey, it's going to get expensive from here on out. And he was so proud of that. And then, of course, things kind of changed in a couple of weeks, but. Um, you know, they they were just people were really, really excited and, and uh it you know, it was a great game. It was it was a great series and a great game.
0: Yeah, and game seven, uh the Indians went up two nothing in the third inning, and then the Marlins uh would score once in the seventh, and then they would tie the game in the ninth inning. So that brought it to extra innings, which is incredible when you look back at it now. Um they were on their last you know their last half inning whether they were going to win or not and they end up tying the game 3 to 3 and then the game goes into 11 innings and uh Edgar Renteria was a very good shortstop he was up and coming back in 95 96 97 so he was part of he was the everyday shortstop for the Marlins and um that 11th inning was intense and i've watched that play at least uh 10 times before we started talking and Nagy actually touched that ball um, by his glove when uh, Renteria hit it into center field. And it's just a game of – it's amazing how a game of inches and just maybe if he would have put his arm up like a half a second earlier, he would have caught that ball. The game could have gone into extra innings. It's amazing how when you look at those plays, how close they are.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was – it was a great finish. And, and again, a lot of those guys, Leland, the manager, I mean, he had never won a championship before and he was just, you know, beside himself. And, uh, Dombrowski, that was his first championship as the, as the GM. And it, it was, you know, it was very exciting. And, and, you know, they planned a, uh, they planned a parade on Tuesday to celebrate it. And they took boats through Fort Lauderdale and then boats, they had a parade yeah. in Miami and a parade in Fort Lauderdale and then they ended up coming to the stadium on Tuesday which was our fourth day of 60,000 people in the stadium so we were all pretty tired but they had a Cory Esteban was there and and uh they had all the players and and again people went they they were just so excited but it didn't it didn't last very long unfortunately
0: yeah it did not the Marlins would uh would go from uh, first or you know champions to pretty much last place. But I remember a game six was Saturday, game seven Sunday, Monday night football. The Bears were in town uh, yep. against the Mar- against the uh, Dolphins, so we had to get ready for a football game after the Marlins had won. And then after the Monday night game, we had about what about fifty, probably fifty sixty thousand for the party against oh, yeah. the Marlins and Wednesday, i couldn't wait for wednesday to come i was just like i couldn't believe it and i was just like i was still wide awake on wednesday i mean it took me like a week to recover i don't know about you
1: yeah i was that that was just hard i, like I said that was about as hard as i ever worked we did not have any children at that time and i think i just tried to sleep as late as i possibly could wednesday and then we probably had something that weekend we had to, to get ready for but um the, the, the sad thing about that team, and I think why maybe that World Series doesn't get the kind of notoriety that maybe you know the Twins did or some of the others, is immediately after the, the Game 7 and the parade and everything else, they had a predestined plan to to basically trade off most of the players that were on the team. Wow. The, the, the owner, Wayne Huizenga, had told them, uh, you know, again, he expected that by signing all these players and adding salaries that they'd have a full house every night. Well, they didn't. I mean, they had good crowds, but they weren't great. But normally after you win a championship and the next year, you, you know, you really profit because people come out, but they traded 10 to 12 of their, of their first line players mm. uh, by, by the spring of that year, the spring of the next year for a bunch of prospects. So, so basically the team that won the championship was, was disbanded. I mean, guys like Kevin Brown, Bobby Bonilla, they actually had, if you can believe this, they actually had Mike Piazza. Oh, yeah. Uh, for, for one night, they traded traded to the Dodgers, and he wore a uniform, and I think he even batted once, but then he was traded on to the Mets, where he, he ended up being a great player and Hall of Famer, but he, he stopped through Miami for a day on one of these trades. <laughs> And and it was just stunning. People couldn't believe it. And you know, the the crowds dwindled and, and any enthusiasm was, was just gone. And I I still remember walking into a J C Penny store about a month after the season and they had thousands of world champion T shirts for five dollars. They wow. couldn't give away. People were so turned off. And that's that's really too bad.
0: Yeah, it is too bad. And uh, while we're speaking, we talked about the Indians earlier. So I'm looking at their lineup for Game Seven. These were the here were the players for the uh, Omar Vizquel, Tony Fernandez at second base, Manny Ramirez in right field. You always forget. You always think of Manny Ramirez with the Red Sox, but yep. he was with the Indians. David Justice, who was with the Braves in '91, he had gone to Cleveland. Matt Williams was the third baseman. He would go on to play for the Giants. He played for the Giants, but he also was a manager with the Washington Nationals. Sandy Alomar, Jim Tomey, who's in the Hall of Fame, Marquise Grissom, and Jared Wright was the starting pitcher in that game. And uh, it shows you the potent lineup they had. And a lot of those players for the Indians were homegrown you know, talent, and whereas the Marlins were pretty much uh, free agents.
1: Yeah, yeah. Bobby Bonilla is the famous one because he's still – he signed a long term deal with the Mets after he left here and ended up he gets paid something like a million dollars every year for the next forty years because he, he delayed his payment. So he his name comes up every year. But again, he was he was a great player on that on that World Series team. And um, you know, the the, the funny thing about it is that after after they, you know, they, they really had terrible teams there. Leland went up and went with Detroit, Debrowski right. left. Wayne sold the team to, to a guy named John Henry, who who came became famous when he ended up with the Red Sox. Well they worked out a deal where where he traded the Marlins for the the Red Sox. Huh. And the the owner was a guy named Jeff Loria. And uh, John Henry went up to Boston and of course they, you know, they reversed the curse and he ended up buying the Boston Globe and he still owns the Red Sox today. He does. Yeah, but they, um, you know, they they had dropped to such a low point, and then they they started trying to get a stadium built, and it, it just wasn't going to happen. So, so he he sold the team, and Jeff Loria. Well, then the Marlins won in two thousand three again. They beat the Yankees in the World Series, and you know, they, so they the the young players they got when they traded everybody after ninety seven turned around, won the World Series in oh three. And that was the the, the famous uh, playoff game where Chicago was coming back, and they hit a foul ball, and the immortal Bartman, Steve Bartman, got in the way, knocked the ball out of Moises lose hands, and yeah. the Marlins went on to win the game in the series, and then beat the Yankees. And um, and Bartman, I think they finally forgiven him, but um, but that yeah. was 0-3. They finally got a new ballpark in 2012, which is downtown where the uh, where the Orange Bowl was but it's Miami. It's just a funny place. Uh, you know, that they say people don't support baseball, but they've really been kind of yanked around, you know, they'd have a great team and then no team and then they'd have another good team. And then and even today they trade, you know, they let Giancarlo Stanton go, uh, Yelich that's with, uh, Milwaukee. Oh yeah. Um, uh, the pitcher that, that got in a boating accident, uh, Fernandez, yep. i forget his name, but, I mean, they, their fan base is just, you know, they, they've been yanked around so many times that it's hard to be a lifelong
0: fan there. Yeah, you had mentioned uh, Moises Alou. He was uh, an integral part of the 97 World Series. And then fast forward to 2003, six years later, he's playing for the Cubs and involved in the Steve Bartman play. Uh, you know, so it's amazing when they played the Marlins in the uh, National League Championship Series. It's amazing how, like, everything goes full circle, Uh, The Marlins lineup back then was Devon White, Edgar Renteria, Gary Sheffield, Darren Dalton, uh, Moises Alou, Bobby Bonilla, Charles Johnson, and Al Leiter was the pitcher. And I always remember, like, you know, just a regular season game in Miami. And then when the playoffs started, you could sense the excitement and the seriousness of it, I guess you could say. But as the playoffs went, like, I remember the NLCS, I remember like helicopters flying over all these famous baseball people or, you know, TV personalities are there. And then when the world series came, it was just full blown a listers there. It was incredible.
1: Yeah. They, they finished another famous play was the, uh, the Sunday game. They had Levon Hernandez who was from Cuba and he was a rookie at that time. And he was pitching and and the last inning he was still out there and he threw a, a ball that, that, it, it was so far off the plate, it was probably in Broward County five miles away. Yeah. And Eric Greg called strike three and the and I think it was Templeton, and he looked at the umpire like, you've got to be kidding. You know, and it was way outside <laughs> and it was strike three and that's it. Wow. And he just stopped looking at the umpire like he couldn't believe it.
0: Yeah, and it's incredible how the Marlins uh took that World Series and like they disbanded the team. And uh, Jim Leland, I get, remember he went over to Detroit. But, yeah, I forgot about Piazza getting traded to uh, the Marlins, and then he went over to the Mets. It's it's incredible how, like, um, you know, the Marlins and even the Rays to this day still don't draw um, fans in Florida. I mean, Tampa Bay the last couple of years has, have, has really, like, soared in the AL East, and they just not have, you know, I guess the fans just have not come. I mean, you watch the game – and there's more Red Sox fans and Yankee fans there than there are Rays fans.
1: Yeah, they, the the Marlins. We we visited their new stadium, and it's actually it's very nice. It's right off downtown, but mm-hmm. but there's no public transit, and you know it's hard to park. It's hard to get in there at night. Um, the Tampa doesn't play in a very good stadium, but they they've been trying for 20 years to get a new one built, and I I just don't think that that baseball interest. Number one, there's a lot of people that are that are seasonal. You know, they come in there in in uh, October and they leave in April. They head back up north. Um, the weather is terrible, but now you know they have a retractable dome in in Miami, so that shouldn't be a problem. But there, there's just uh, and there's a lot of interest in other sports. I mean, there's so many people in the South Florida area that are that are from other countries, and right, baseball is not the first sport. That's, that's really
0: interesting. You know, I, you always think, you know, the, Mar, the success the Marlins had that they would have been able to, um, you know, garner even after a World Series. I mean, you look at the Red Sox or the, you know – they they pack them in the Astros, the Yankees, and it's just it's just really sad that you know there's a good product. Even Derek Jeter was down there for a while. I don't even know if he's with the Marlins anymore. But uh,
1: no, he he was one year and out. He'd gotten a disagreement with the owner, and, and they moved him on. That's that's what I mean. There, there's been no stability since they started, and it's just been a constant shifting of players and, and players who are are great players and may end up uh, getting traded or, or leaving. And I think people just get kind of tired of it and, and you know, baseball you have to have that, that historical sense like the Red Sox or Yankees do. And they they just don't have that. I know they just fired their manager Don Mattingly. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if they've hired I guess they hired a new one today. I'm not sure who he is, but um but anyways, yeah, that's that's been a problem in Tampa. I, I don't think they're ever gonna last long term there. They've talked about playing half their games in Montreal uh nashville is after them and las vegas is after a team so i i don't know they're kind of like oakland if they can't get a stadium bill i think they'll be gone within five years
0: well if the rays ever came to nashville i'd be making that three-hour trek to go see the red Sox play a lot during the uh there you go during the summer there you go.
1: but um yeah.
0: so what, what i mean when you look back like working at the the working the world series it's kind of cool because you know Back then, in the late October, Florida is really nice. South Florida is really nice, and then we, you watch the games in Cle. We were watching the games in Cleveland. It's like it was snow, and it was like I'm just so thankful I work in Miami.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I I even remember we we did a Super Bowl there in about '99, and it was so warm that day. I think we sold out of all the water we had, you know, because it it was just an abnormally warm day, and and. Uh, um, but they, you know, they really have good, the Dolphins have good fans. I think they, you know, they've done a lot of work to that stadium. I mean, that's, the stadium was one of the first multi-purpose where they put suites and a club level in, and they've, they've really upgraded the the offerings there. Um, but uh, it's it's still there, and it's still viable, and, and they, the new owner for the Dolphins has built a Formula One racetrack around it. They wow. do Miami Open Tennis. Um, they do world soccer matches um, you know they, they just do a lot of events there now that they didn't do back then
0: well I remember I watched the Monday uh watched the Dolphins on Sunday uh Sunday night against the Steelers it, I didn't even rec. I mean they had an aerial shot of it I mean I still see like landmarks around the stadium but it looks totally if you had to put pitcher side pitcher now and then like 1997 it's like doesn't even look like the same place, but it's, it's that same area. It's, it's pretty well, they awesome. Had,
1: they had the, the famous Super Bowl where Prince played at halftime and it poured rain, and Miami had never had trouble with, with bad weather for a Super Bowl, and the, the local authorities kind of, the NFL said, well, you know, I don't know if we can come back here. And within, <laughs> within five minutes, they were working on roof for the, uh, <laughs> to cover the fans. Plus, it used to be very, very warm sitting in the sun. So they, you know, the fans are basically all sitting in shade, or at least most of them. Right. And the field is 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 real grass, and and gets plenty of rain and plenty of uh, sun. So, um, they they've done a lot, and they've expanded the. It's a very nice football stadium now, and the Marlins have a very nice baseball stadium. So, yeah. mm-hmm. a reason why they shouldn't both be doing well. Miami's a big city. I mean, South Florida. There's millions of people that live there.
0: Absolutely. So the World Series for the Marlins. Uh, in 1997 was their first, the the quickest for any team, expansion team to get to the World Series and win it. So that's quite. Uh, I think I still have some of those fifth seat, the, all those pins they used to give out. I gotta find those somewhere. I they're probably, hopefully they're worth something. But uh, but yeah, it's quite remarkable what the Marlins did in 1997. You look back like at the the lineups back then and the players, how they evolved to go to different teams. And just like somebody like Buck Showalter, he was managing the Yankees in 1995 against the Mariners, and now he's managing the Mets almost 30 years later. It's incredible how just time evolves, really.
1: Yeah, a lot of the same faces, uh, you know, like like I mentioned, Dave Dombrowski, and he started with the White Sox, went to the Expos, Marlins, Detroit, uh, Red Sox, and now in Philadelphia. And, I mean, and he actually stopped in Nashville. He was going to be there. Their uh, chairman to try and get a team there. Wow! But uh, he got back into service, and and uh, uh, you know you see you see a lot of the same faces in baseball over and over again. And, and uh, um, no, it was a great time. It was uh, the next the next year actually. When you think about '98, was the year of the of the uh, Sosa and McGuire um, home run. Uh, mm-hmm contest or whatever you want to call it, where they were both hitting home runs like crazy. And that was one of the only nights all summer we had a
0: crowd in there. Yeah. I remember one game, uh, the Marlins played the St. Louis Cardinals and McGuire hit two upper deck home runs in the top upper deck of left field. And that was, was so far up there at, at the old stadium, the way they had it, they had the tarp up there. Um, he hit two in one game in the upper deck. That is, I when you think about that i, I don't remember any other player doing that in my time there
1: <laughs> yeah no he was he was amazing i mean obviously <laughs> he, he was aided by uh something but um yeah he was he was amazing they came out and they would do their batting practice uh uh you know early and people i mean the stadium was half full when batting practice was on because everybody wanted to get oh, the yeah, ball oh yeah yeah
0: yeah and but, that uh,
1: interesting yeah that that was that was a good time
0: it was, it was. So the 97 World Series goes to the Marlins. So, uh, Jim, I want to thank you very much for uh, joining me on uh, this episode about the Marlins and the Indians and also the Braves and the Twins. I've really enjoyed looking back at uh, some great World Series and uh, may have you on again to uh, talk about some other World Series maybe if you have some time, and uh, hopefully we can uh, reminisce about some other ones. But uh, I really appreciate your uh, perspective, and uh, I also uh, used to work with Jim in Miami as well. We had some great times there working there um, at pro player stadium, but, uh, Jim, uh, thank you so much again for your time. I really do appreciate it.
1: Rob, good luck with the podcast and hopefully we'll talk to you again soon.
0: Yes, sir. And, uh, thank you again.